Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. Tonight I bring you part two of Perchman. It's, we go to Borsdain Woods. Um, it was gargling blood and more witnesses to the Winter Hill Beast. As you know, we've been investigating a number of cases in the Hindley area of Wigan and the strange tale there of Perchman. Now, I knew this story would cause a little bit of excitement in the local community. Um, I thought that we may hear from one or two others who had also had an experience to share. I was not wrong. For the last two months, we've been inundated with local reports. It's one of the reasons I had to make part two. I released a report from Pennington Flash about the Golden Ram, and these reports came in off the back of that. Now, the areas we're investigating run from just below Hindley in Wigan, Pennington Flash, and they go northwards to Winter Hill and the Rivington Pike area and Great Hill. Just ordinary northern towns and villages full of cherished houses and old mills. Unremarkable, it would seem, until you start to dig into the history. Would it surprise you to know it's also an area with very rare ancient woodlands? One small section of woods known as Borsdain Wood is in fact an ancient semi-natural woods. It's believed to have been continuous woodlands since before 1600 AD. And this woodland is composed of a number of rare native tree species. In the daytime, the woods are filled with dog walkers and families. At night, it becomes a whole different area entirely. And as you will hear in the upcoming reports, stay tuned to the end for our latest report from the new witnesses to the Winter Hill Beast. Now, if you remember Porch Man, it was three boys who were down there at Deep Pit and they were out in the night with a very dim torch and they saw a tree that was shaken violently from side to side. Now, just off by about, I'd say about half a mile is Borsdale Woods. And when I put that report out, a gentleman got in touch with me and said, Hi Deborah, I was watching your latest investigation in Hindley into the kids that saw the tree being violently shaken. 
I commented on the video and you asked me to share my experience in the area. Now, I've had a few strange encounters in the past and one of them was in the Boresdale Woods, which is only about half a mile, a mile from Deep Pit and the Woochie where you filmed with your team. Now, back then, we'd go camp in the woods overnight. It was summer, it was about 1991 and a few of my mates were camping at the beginning of the woods. Myself and two other mates left the group at around about 1am and we walked into the woodland. We walked just past the 60 steps, which is a well-known landmark, and then we heard something. I'm still struggling to explain what that something was. One minute, we were having a good time, laughing and joking. We'd had a couple of cans of lager, but nothing major. And we were just walking along when it happened. Just out of the blue. I couldn't begin to describe it, other than it sounded like an animal being slaughtered. It was screaming and gargling. It was a large animal, like a cow or a horse, but it was screaming in pain and it sounded like it was gargling in blood. We all stopped dead in our tracks and then we heard a deep, low growl that you could feel in your chest. Now, in my opinion, the growl was only about 300 metres away up the embankment in the farmer's field. I have never been as terrified as I was then. We were all six foot tall lads. We were around 17 stone on average. We looked at each other, turned around and ran. We went back to the others to see if they would come with us and see, but they wouldn't go back there with us. I don't know what it was that growled or what was killed that night, but it wasn't something like a fox that did it. That night was terrifying, to say the least, but that's not the first time I've seen something weird around here. What did those lads hear? What was it? Something as big as a horse or a cow that was clearly in pain, screaming and being attached. There isn't anything around there that I can think of that would be responsible for making that noise. We all live around these greenbelt areas and woodlands. We're used to the sounds of, you know, birds and owls and foxes and all kinds of stuff. And it wouldn't have stood out as strange to them. They were clearly terrified. Much earlier, when he was about 10, he said, I was still at primary school and I was out fishing with a little cocky net next to the Borsdale Brook. Now, the brook runs through the woods, but this part of the brook was about a mile away in an area the locals call Sammy's Floods. It joins the area that runs up to the golf course area and is about two miles as the crow flies from Deep Pit. Now, there's a six-foot fence that ran at the side of the school and to the brook where I was. And as I was fishing, a creature I cannot put a name to jumped clean over the brook and landed dead still on the other side. Then this strange-looking thing bounded off again. I thought it was a giant kangaroo at first, as it was a sandy colour, and it hopped. I followed it, as I thought it was just an animal that had escaped from the zoo, but I couldn't keep up with it. Then I realised it wasn't a kangaroo, and it wasn't hopping. It was bounding or jumping. Each jump or bound was around six or seven metres at a time. It was about seven feet tall. It was sandy coloured and full of muscle. It was like an upright lion without a mane. 
I can still see it to this day. And I watched it for a good few minutes before it disappeared. I've checked the local news to see if there were any escaped animals as there was a zoo at Hay Park, but I can't find anything. I keep telling myself it was an escaped kangaroo. I really don't know what it was. All I know is that at the time I wasn't scared and it didn't look aggressive. Let's have a look at that description again. It was seven feet tall. It was sandy coloured, full of muscle, and it looked like an upright lion without a mane. And it bound, it jumped, it leaped across the pond. I would imagine that was terrifying at him, but he doesn't seem as if he was scared. He says, I wasn't scared and it didn't look aggressive. One of our members, Lee Hughes, was able to add this information to the investigation. Um, and there is also another investigator investigating a Bigfoot report in the grounds of Hay Car. Now, the area of Winter Hill and Deep Pit in Hindley is one of those areas where we find mutilated and killed animals. Anybody who's regular to the channel knows that over the weekend of the 5th and 6th of um, February, Mick and the tracker and Carol Ann went up. Uh, I think Denise was with them as well. They went up to um, check out Windsor Hill because we've had some previous reports there. There was um, two lads up there in October who stumbled across a carcass that had been ripped in two. While they were looking at that carcass, they heard a number of growls that followed them back to the car. So as I say, the team went up that weekend and they found in total five sheep remains that were scattered. They looked like the rib cage has been pulled in half. Um, some of them were quite fresh, some of them were older. Um, very messy scene, there was just bits and you know limbs and all kinds of stuff, quite distressing for some people. Uh, but as I say, this could be anything. There are reports on that hill of something with red eyes, something with yellow eyes, something described as a bear man, other people call it a werewolf. Um, and of course, there could be one of the large cats. Now, in 2011, uh, the government had to get involved because on the 14th of Feb, which was Valentine's Day, an article entitled, Is There a Panther on the Prowl? appeared in the Wigan Today. It was concerning the sighting of a large black cat in Brim and the number of animal remains that had been found in the local recreation area. Police are investigating a series of animal mutilations, which could be the work of the panther. And if you remember, the witness from Deep Pit who saw the tree sent me a Facebook post from a lady stating that she'd found a number of deer parts that had been thrown about near the Iron Bridge area of Hindley. Now, getting back to the, uh, 2011, it states the partially eaten bodies of three adult swans and two dead lambs were found at the Three Sisters Recreation Area on Goldburn Road at an adjoining farm. The discovery comes a fortnight after a number of civil servants from the Department of Works and Pensions Benefits Call Centre at Griffin House in Bryn made a report of seeing a panther-like animal sunning itself in a tree and on the roof of a building that they could see from their office windows. Now, the police would not comment directly on the claims that a potentially dangerous wild animal is stalking the site. I know in Farmworth and Bolton, there have been around 22 reports of a 
yellow-eyed black panther. However, officers from Bamferland Police Station are known to have interviewed a lady known Jay, Julie Fairclough, who first spotted the big cat. Um, a spokesman from Wigan Police said, on Friday, February the 11th, police were called to Goulburn Road, Wigan. Following reports, two lambs had been found dead. At just after 10am on Sunday, February the 13th, Police were called to the Three Sisters Recreation Area following reports that three swans had been found dead. Officers from Ashton and Makerfield neighbouring police team, the Hindley local team, um, and Division Wildlife Crime Officers are supporting inquiries being made by the Wigan Leisure that there could be a large cat in the area. We can confirm that three swans have been found dead and we've been liaising with the police and are investigating the matter. We've contacted experts to help us identify what type of animal may have carried out these attacks. Mrs Fairclough, who had completed 30 years of service with the DWP, said today that she was pleased that the police were taking the issue seriously. But she made a plea that if a big cat is on the large in the sprawling Three Sisters site, it mustn't be shot. She wants experts to mount a humane operation to have it captured safely and then released into a zoo park. Three Sisters is like most of the sites around here. It's farmer. It used to be mining land. It's a colliery site. Um, and it's named after the... There used to be three flattened volcano-shaped pits of slag heaps. Um, and that's where the name come from. And the land connects to Bickershaw and Ebra for anybody who wants to know who's around there. Mrs Fairclough said, I've got a tomcat called Oliver who weighs in at a stone and four pounds. So I know the difference between a big pet and the amazing animal that I saw. Mr Workman of Wigan Leisure Trust said, animals seen at this type of range with the naked eye can be very difficult to identify accurately. I'm sure Mrs Fairclough has an idea that what, you know, she sounds like the sort of lady who knows a domestic cat, but obviously as per normal, the government are just gonna kind of push it under the carpet. And they're saying, I believe the staff have seen literally just a domestic black cat. Um, I've been over there in the snow many times and I've not found any tracks, he said. But I don't think he's a professional tracker. Now, the area is surrounded by strange phenomena. So if these kills were being found in 2011 and we're still finding them in 2021, that's 10 years. And there is no, you know, official investigation. There are reports of paranormal cryptid UFO unexplained I searched as far back as I could through local archives and forums looking for personal reports and here are just a selection of them and as I say later on I'll bring you the new report that's coming from Winter Hill a strange white mist and an injured dog in one of the local forums um, there was a discussion about Red Clogs the Miner and he said to have been involved in a terrible accident and his clogs were stained red and that he would move the kids that played on the slacks and get them to, you know, so they weren't in trouble kind of thing. And um, a young chap wrote, my uncle was taking the dog for a walk in Crook Village when he saw a patch of white, almost like a mist or fog. The dog ran into this patch of white and the next minute it started to bark. And when it returned to my uncle, there were bits of flesh missing from its body. Just after that, the white mist just disappeared.
A Wigan man has described the moment he witnessed a dazzling, bright and colourful UFO in the sky in the early hours of the morning as the most surreal experience of his life. The gentleman who made... Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at the Gala 417. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The report is a 32-year-old local. He said he truly believes that what he saw was an alien craft and definitely not an aeroplane or a weather balloon or something that he mistook. He said, I was in my loft room on Sunday night and I happened to look up through the roof windows and I saw three distinct glowing orbs. I was instantly gobsmacked and I knew straight away that whatever it was, it wasn't from this earth. I'm not a big believer in UFOs and never have been. So I grabbed my phone and I snapped off a couple of shots thinking it would be gone in a few seconds, but it wasn't. It stayed totally motionless in the sky for at least 20 minutes before rocketing up out of view faster than anything I've ever seen. How can you account for that? How can that be anything like a plane or a helicopter? It's impossible. It just hung there in the air for about 20 minutes and then made off at speed. I'm a businessman. I'm an intelligent guy. And someone who's always been described as a sceptic. But I was stunned, to say the least. Absolutely mesmerised by it. Now, the man who lives in the Swinley area says, I can't be the only person that saw this. And when I showed people the pictures, they were shocked too. And those are the pictures that you're seeing now. You can see from them just how colourful these objects are. The lights weren't flashing. There was absolutely no sound. They just hovered there, slightly pulsating. To be honest, it's given me a whole new perspective on things. It was the most surreal moment of my life. Now, Wigan has been a hotbed for UFO sightings over the years, to be honest. There have been dozens of strange objects reported in the skies above the town. This, to me, is irrefutable proof, he says, that there are other beings not from around here visiting us, either from faraway galaxies or other dimensions. Now, a shape-shifting UFO soared over a block of flats in Wigan 
on the 5th of September 2019, a woman captured pictures of a shape-shifting UFO in the skies above Wigan. Lauren Horton, who was happy to be named, was at a dance flat in Scholes on Friday, August the 23rd. I apologise, I said September. When she looked up and she spotted a strange object in the sky, reaching for her camera, she snapped off a couple of shots before the object disappears and those are the images that you're seeing now. Lauren said, I was at my dad's on the balcony of his flat in Scholes when I saw a floating light. At first, I thought it was a Chinese lantern, but it changed shape. It got really bright and it hovered for a bit, just hung there in the air. Then it went over to the flats and out of sight. Now, the pictures don't do it justice, she said, but they were all I could manage at the time. It wouldn't be the first time a UFO has appeared in the Wigan sky, as I say. There are so many stories. If you just do a simple Google search of Wigan and UFO, you'll be amazed how many come up. Platt Lane in Wigan is one of the UK's most haunted rows. All manner of ghostly figures are said to appear, many of which are said to be responsible for the red eyes that can be seen watching people from the bushes. Red eyes are things that come up in Wigan and Winter Hill quite often. As you remember, Perchman was said to have red eyes. There are a number of red eye reports up on Winter Hill. There's one at Tockholes from a driver who saw a red-eyed creature that he described as about seven feet in height in the dark, and he could see the red eye shine. Um, I think there's another driver as well who went back and tried to find a reflective lighting or a reflective sign or anything that it could account for the red eye sign that he shot. So, and as I mentioned in part one of the series, there are also a number of reports of strange beasts and unexplained events that connect the area to Winter Hill. So from the M6 Gorilla, and it's just near Bolton Hospital, you have a young boy of seven who sees a gorilla-like creature from his bedroom window in the house. And then we move a short two or three miles away to Pennington Flash, where a young couple in 2005 saw the serene white rat. Mick McLaren went down there to investigate after I did, and himself and Caroline heard a growl from the bushes. I'm unsure what's going on, but in a matter of three months, we've had over 20 reports that have surfaced from local people. This month alone, we've had two new Bigfoot reports and two current Dogman Beast reports for all corners of the UK. But one of those reports is from a lady who is local to the area who had a strange experience close to Rivington Pike. Now, for anybody who's not from the area, for me to make you understand, it's just a, a, a range of mountains that's right at the bottom of the Pennines. You've got Great Hill, Winter Hill, uh, Rivington Pike, and... We used to like beacons on top of them, so either in a warning or as a celebration. So as each beacon lit, the next one along would light their beacon. And that's what was happening in 2012 when this lady was up um, top of Great Hill with her friends. Uh, these, the area's awesome. If you've never been, once we're over lockdown, you should go and have a visit. It's lovely. And she said, we saw the Rivington Pike Beast in 2012. Hi, Deborah. I've been struggling with something that I've experienced with a few of my friends a number of years ago now. 
writing it down to send it to you made it more real somehow. I have had to admit, after hearing about the other reports of creatures around here, I've started thinking about that at night and wondering what I saw. My experience happened back in 2012, the night that all the beacons were being lit for the Queen's Jubilee. I lived in a local area at the time, and as my other half was working that night, I'd invited a couple of my friends over so that they could go and watch the beacons being lit. We didn't want to be in a mad crush of people, and we wanted to take our dogs with us. So rather than going to one of the beacons nearby, we decided to go to Great Hill to watch from there, because we'd be able to see a few different ones from up that high, so we'd spot Rivington, Darwin Tower, Pendle Hill, etc., my friends came over around tea time and we had something to eat and we set off with our dogs about an hour before it was due to go dark. I drove my Land Rover up Well Lane to the gate leading onto the moors and we walked to Great Hill from there. I do remember that it was quite a nice evening as I'd got a pair of flip-flops and a pair of three-quarter jeans which in hindsight I should have had better shoes on. We took up a flask of coffee, some crisps and cakes and a radio so we could have a little bit of a party up there. We only realised later on that we'd forgotten to take a torch with us. The first thing that was odd, not at the time, I didn't realise, but it sort of made sense later when I was going over things in my head. As we got up to Great Hill, there was quite a few sheep milling about and they made no attempt to move, which is strange. We got dogs with us. My friend's Cairn Terrier wasn't good with livestock and she was worried about not being able to let him off the lead. Um, so my dog was used to working sheep because we used to live on a farm. So I got him to run the sheep off. But I had to do this three times and they kept coming back, which I said is very odd, as they usually take off if a dog's near and they just won't come back to it. Just before it went dark, a bloke on his own turned up with the same idea as us. But he'd come like a proper hiker. He had a rucksack and a head torch. And then a big group of people came up the white copies gorge. And they joined us. And surprisingly, one of that group was a girl that my two friends and I worked with. So we all hung out chatting, listening to music. And a big group had fetched beers with them. So they were all getting merry and enjoying themselves. And our dogs were just playing around together and exploring in the dark. I can't remember what time the beacons were lit. But we saw the one over towards Rivington. We saw the Darwin, Pendle and some in the far distance that may have been the South Lakes. Quite a few fireworks were also set off in various places too. So we stayed to watch those. And then after an hour, we all decided to walk back down from the hill. My friend, who owned the Cairn Terrier, was having a good chat with a bloke who had turned up alone. They were talking about hiking and camping and fell running and so on. And she was wanting to get into that. And as it turned out, he'd parked his car in the village. So I made a joke about three unprepared women out in the dark. And I offered him a lift back down to Well Lane to his car in exchange for him lighting the path for us with his head torch as we walked down from the hill. We all set off. And when we got to the left-hand pathway that leads off the main path down towards White Copies Gorge, we said goodbye to our workmate and all her friends and they started trundling off down the pathway. I do remember saying that I thought they were mad doing that in the dark, as the path is dreadful in spots, but they were just laughing about it and headed off. At this point, I'm walking with my friend Elle, and the two dogs are in front of us, and my other friend are, 
was walking, chatting to the bloke with the head torch. And they dropped quite a distance behind us at this point. It was dark, but I seem to remember that it was a full moon that night. And as the pathway there is a sort of light coloured stone surface, we could see where we're going. So rather than hang about for them, we just strolled on with the dogs. The voices of the other group going down the gorge were now quite faint. We'd been able to hear them laughing and talking until they dropped below the level of the flat bit of the moors on our left. So now, all we could hear were the two dogs mooching about and our friend, Ah, and her new pal chatting behind us. I'm not sure how far behind us they were, we now. I'm going to guess and say about 100 feet or so. Although we could hear them chatting, they weren't close enough for us to hear anything that they were saying. Just the sound of their voices and the light of his head torch wasn't lighting up anything around us. I remember glancing back. I had a bit of a giggle with Elle, joking that it looks like ours pulled. And as I turned back to look in the direction we were going, I walked straight into my dog and nearly fell over. He was standing there rigid, looking off to the left, and all of his hackles were up. Our dog was also standing stock still at his side, looking in the same direction, but her tail was tucked right underneath her back legs. I started to tell him to move. I said something along the lines of, come on, lad, shift yourself, and something similar, when I heard a really low growl, a snarl, coming from the direction the dog was looking at. My friend Elle was talking away slightly behind me. She talked really loud. So I said, what was that? Did you hear that? Then I followed with, shut up yapping for a minute, will you? She tried whispering and said, what? What was it? No, I didn't hear anything. And as she finished talking, I heard it again. And this time she heard it too. Again, I did swear. And I said, you know, is that a dog? Which made me panic as my dog was a bit of a fighter if he came across other male dogs, but he had nothing to back it up with. And my first thought was that if it was a lost dog or something and my dog would end up getting hurt by starting something he couldn't finish, but he wasn't making any moves to go towards it. He wasn't a big dog, but he had balls of steel and he wasn't afraid of anything. So to see him in a bit of a state of alarm, fear, concern... That kind of spooked me. I felt like we were there, standing there for ages, but it was probably wasn't any longer than a minute or two. I suggested that we keep walking and try to get past this dog and hope that my dog didn't decide to leg it after it into the dark and end up getting hurt. So I nudged him with my foot again and I said, come on, get on. And he was literally taking one step forward at a time, but with very stiff legs. He had his tail up like a polka and he never once took his eyes off the spot where we'd heard the growl come from. I guess it was about 20 or 30 feet from the path at that point. My friend R and the bloke were chatting and they caught up with us and they were, you know, there for quite a bit but they seemed totally oblivious to what was going on with us and the dogs. So Al and I walked on a bit but at a slower pace than before. And we now had a bit of light from the head torch hitting us at the sides of the path. Both dogs were sticking pretty close, a little way in front of us. But although they were still on alert, they weren't looking as disturbed as they had been. 
Elle and I started talking quietly about what I'd just heard. And we started trying to rationalise it by saying it must have been a noise floating up from White Copy's Gorge. The growl wasn't as close as we thought it had been, you know, and so on. We started to relax a bit and we were chatting about, you know, nothing much. Suddenly, my dog, once again, standing stock still. He's 10, 15 feet in front of us. And this time he was really growling, really low in his throat and his hackles were up from his neck right down to his tail. His tail was poker straight and my friend's dog was once again at his side. Only this time she was also doing a low whining noise. This is right before there's a right hand bend in the path and that bend has a slope to the right and it's just open most to the left and out in front. And both dogs were looking straight ahead towards the bend. But then both started to turn their bodies towards the right and they ended up standing sort of looking towards the right-hand slope as it was ahead of us. Then both started turning and standing looking towards the open moors. Maybe 11 o'clock position from where we were standing. And right at that moment, Ah, and the hiking bloke behind us had got close enough that the head torch was hitting the moors in that direction and I saw a big, dark shape that I thought at first was a cow. I know, daft really, as there are no cows up there, but that was my first thought. I saw this cow dart across the line of light and head in the direction we were heading. At the same time, with both dogs followed the direction it had gone in. They followed with their heads and then with their bodies. Elle saw it too, and I just lost it. At this point, I was really scared, and I was shouting to the other two, did you see that? And what the fuck was that? But the bloke said he hadn't seen anything, and I sort of shrugged it off as if she didn't know what I was on about. So I was trying to explain the growling we'd heard and the shape we'd seen over the moors and the dogs being freaked out, but they didn't seem that interested. We got both dogs onto their leads and for the rest of the way back to my car across the open moors, we stayed as a tight group. I was insisting we all walk back together with no gaps. Now the dogs continued walking one side of the moors, then the other as though something was moving around us but we didn't hear anything, no growling, no sign of anything in the heather, but there was definitely something there. I was doing some sort of weird half walk, half run, you know, wearing flip-flops, but I was stubbing my toes on loose stones and rocks. I was trying to make everyone else just hurry up so we could get back to the car. So maybe two or three hundred feet from where my car is as the pathway starts to drop down. And I saw it again. This time, it was off to the left of us, where there are some ruins of an old farmhouse. I just saw a big shape on four legs and it sort of leapt over what is left of what I think is part of a house wall. And then it vanished. And then I heard it growling again. A very low, deep growl. The growling was really close to us. So whatever it was had moved from the ruins up to within maybe 30 feet of us in seconds. I bolted for the gate, unlocked my car, got everyone inside, locked all the doors, got down that lane as fast as I could. 
Once back in my house, when it was just three girls, I admitted she'd heard and seen it too. But she didn't want the bloke she was talking to to think she was a bit of a dick, so she didn't say anything while we were up there. After a few wines and a lot of chatting, we just started convincing ourselves that we'd imagined it, as you do. But the following week, when I saw the other girl we worked with, I casually asked her if she'd got down the guard okay, and if they'd heard anything weird. And she said, it's funny that I should ask that, because one of the lads in her group kept saying to the rest of them that he thought someone was following them down the gorge when they had first separated from them and went off the main path. But as they were a bit drunk, they really didn't pay a lot of attention to him. But he was convinced that someone was creeping through the grasses off to the side of them. So that's what happened. I told my other half when I got off duty, but he told me I was full of it. I had an overreactive imagination. Even when I told him about the others seeing and hearing it, he said it was just contagious fear and we were all scaring each other. So I never discussed it with him again. However, a couple of days later, when he was on his four-day rest period, we took the dog up to the moors for a walk and we went to Great Hill and back and we found a torn-up sheep quite close to the top of the hill, which made me wonder if that was why the sheep were acting strangely when we first got up there. Is that why they kept coming back, despite me using the dogs to run them off? Maybe whatever it was had been stalking the sheep as we arrived. Or maybe it was lurking there in the grass. Although the dogs never reacted to anything while we were up there, so I don't know. I've never got up there again on my own, and absolutely never will go up there unless it's broad daylight. So what is the connection to all of these strange and unexplainable experiences? In a second, you will hear an interview that this lady did at the site where she encountered whatever it was that jumped over that wall. Um, Is it just a series of coincidences and misidentified cattle? I don't think so. Is it the ancient land that brings forth these experiences? The hills themselves and the small pockets of ancient woodlands tucked away between them in urban towns and villages might still hold some of that earth magic, we just don't know. We will continue to bring you updates as they come in, of course. Um, And we've had a number of new British Bigfoot reports, so I'll be bringing you them. But as I say, now you'll hear an interview with the lady explaining what happened that night. And some added information that came out she was chatting with Mick, so I've also included that. And we do have a number of other reports that have come in as well, so I've added those two to the end um, of this video. Why why did you go up to Greater that night? Leftovers? Or... The DMV? Or... House cleaning? Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, well, it was the Queen's Jubilee and it was the night that um, they were lighting all the beacons everywhere. So we didn't want to go somewhere crowded. Uh, there was me and two of my friends and we had the dogs with us. 
Um, so we thought Great Hill would probably be the best place because you could see the Pike, you could see um, Darwin Tower, you could see Pendle Hill, South Lake. So that's why we decided to go there. Right. And then uh, while you was up there, uh, could you tell me a bit of uh, what happened, you know, with the um, the story you told me about the sheep? Oh, right, yeah. Well, actually, and this is something I think I mentioned to you on Friday as well. Normally, at that time of year, there's sheep everywhere on the moors, down at the low parts, as well as right the way up onto Great Hill. And that particular day, there weren't any sheep at the bottom end where you park and walk through up the main on the main path. As we got up to Grey Hill, there were, um, my dog is, well, well, sorry, was, he's dead now. He was a working dog, so he, he would work sheep. My friend had a current terrier that wasn't good with livestock, and there was a group of, I don't, I don't know, maybe 20 sheep or so, something like that. We're right up at Grey Hill as you get to the top where the seats are, so because my friend wanted to let the dog off, I used my dog to send the sheep away, but we came back. So I sent him off again and he chased him down off the hill, came back and the sheep came back. And we had to do it three times. And I thought that was a little bit strange because normally if the dog will send the sheep off, they'll stay away, but we kept coming back. So yeah, it took like three good attempts to get rid of them just so that my friend could let the, uh, let the cane terrier off. So I thought that only afterwards in hindsight, I was like, that was really weird. Yeah, because you've got farming experience as well, haven't you? Yeah, real qualified. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when you you went up there, you met one of your, or was it two of your work colleagues? I was with two work colleagues, friends. Um, we got up there. There was only us at first because we took like a flask with some coffee in and some pop and crisp and cakes and what have you. Um, went up just before it got dark. And um, while we were up there, there was a, a bloke turned up. We realised when we got there, we had, I had flip-flops on, we'd forgotten to take a torch. Um, this guy turned up with all camping gear and, you know, I don't know whether he'd been wild camping or whatnot, but he had a head torch. And we said, you know, can we walk back down with you later on? He said, yeah. And then a big gang came up White Cobb's Gorge. Um, I didn't know all the lads. I think there were, I don't know, half a dozen of them, maybe a bit more. But one of the, one of the people with them, the girl, she was somebody else who worked with us. Um, we didn't know she was going up. She didn't know we were going to be there. But yeah, there ended up quite a crowd. I was at the top. They brought beers and what have you, so, and a bit of music. So, yeah, and then a bit of the party. I was at the top of the hill. Right, and then once all this was over and you headed back, uh, what time was it when you were heading back down? Um, do you know what? I couldn't tell you exactly the time. I would. We probably were there an hour after the festival. So they lit the beacons, whatever time the beacons were lit, they lit the beacons, we watched that, and then there were fireworks going off everywhere. Um, so we watched it because we were right high up, we could see them going off in like Brinskull, Wisnall, Abbey Village, and so on, and over towards Bolton. Um, I'd say maybe an hour, hour and a half tops after the, the fireworks had finished and the beacons had been lit. So I, I don't know, I'm going to guess 11, half 11. Maybe 12 at the latest. Yeah. Uh, so, heading back down when you got to the gorge again, uh, near to where the path takes you down to White Coppice. Yeah. Um, what happened after that when, when you separated with uh, the gang of lads and uh, your colleague? 
and yeah, right. was overborn with you, your friend, the friend behind, and the fella with the camping gear. Yeah, so the, the, the gang that have come up the White Coffee Stories with the girl we work with, they, they were quite a bit in front of us going down towards this path because they are proper shoes on <laughs> and torches. <clears throat> I've got my slip flops on, my friend doesn't walk very quick. My other friend is walking behind with this guy with the head torch. Um, but it was quite a light night, and um, you know, I think, I think I said to you, I'm pretty sure it was a full moon that night because yeah. it, it was quite light. So the other group had already hit the gorge path as we were, were kind of getting to where the forts were shouting to Artem and whatnot. Um, my friend chatting to the bloke behind us, they were, I don't know, I, I, I'll guess about 100 feet behind us. And me and my other friends are walking ahead with the dogs. Um, and we haven't been going that long. I think we were making a few jokes, you know, saying, oh, she's pulled here behind. And I kind of looked over my shoulder back at them, having a laugh with my other friend. And virtually fell over my dog. And he was stopped, stock still, in the middle of the path. Um, ackles up, just looking off to the left, like in the direction of white copies gorge but not actually looking down the gorge if you go it was just in that kind of direction and um, other dog was standing at the side of him um and my dog's tail he was, he was basically rigid legged all his hackles were up just staring he wasn't making a sound the term terrier um was on the other side of him so the side furthest away from the mowers on his right side and um, her tail was she wasn't doing anything either but her tail was tucked underneath her um, which I thought was a bit odd, you know, turns are quite feisty little little things. Um, and I, I wasn't really sure, you know, what was going on. And I thought, well, what, what's, what's coming in? I said, go on, get going. And as I said that, word of growl. And the first instinct was that it was a dog. <laughs> um, now I don't think it was, because when you think about it, it was... Um, it was strange. I'll, I'll just say it was strange. It was a different kind of a glow. My friend who I was walking with was a couple of steps behind me. Um, talked quite loud. I was joking, so that she can whisper over ten fields. So I kind of turned to her and I said, "Did you hear that?" She's like, "What? What? I didn't, you know, I didn't. I, I didn't hear anything. What was it?" And just as she finished talking, the growl happened again. The she heard it this time. Yeah. Um, the other two at this point, because we've we've stopped, they've kind of closed the gap a little bit. But they're talking away and they didn't look like they'd heard anything. Um, and the dogs sort of, they were still a little bit alert, but didn't look as bothered. Like my dog's hackles had kind of come down and he was looking in the direction of the moors, but didn't seem as stressed, shall I say, as, as, as he had looked a couple of minutes ago. Um, so yeah, we just we, we carried on walking a little way. Um, you know, the dogs were still looking, but they weren't, tails weren't up, hackles weren't up, the little cones had sniffing around a little bit. Um, so we, we were walking a little bit slower um, than we had been doing, but I was, you know, we were trying to think about what it was that we'd seen, you know. Um, and I was saying, I think, it, you know, that might have been a dog, and I was a bit worried about my dog because he used to like having a bit of a scrap, so. Um, and this is all in the, in the space of a minute or so, just going through all of this in my head and keep an eye on him. I don't want him running off in the dark after another dog and it didn't sound very friendly. And yeah, so we were just kind of talking about that. And uh, the next minute, he stopped still again. Um, 
and this time he's growling um, and there's a little bit of a bend in the road at, in the track he kind of goes round to the right hand side um, and he is poker straight again tail up all his hackles up and he's doing a really deep chesty growl yeah. uh, and the Terry was actually whimpering she was kind of whining um, very quietly but she was whining so she was scared um, but the fact that my dog was growling that, that really worried me um, and they were kind of looking there's a bit of a slope going up to the right hand side um, and at that point that's my dog was kind of looking in that direction and then started kind of turning his body and his head to the left now these two have closed the gap even more behind us and the guy's headlight and the head she had on was casting shadow or casting light in front of where we were standing um, and I think because he was talking to my friend she was on his left hand side so the side that the dogs were now looking at I think he may have just turned his head uh, which is why the light you know cast where where I then saw something just move across from the left hand side across the front of the bend so it was kind of going in the direction we were going and it went from the left to the right and both the dogs were just yeah, yeah, they, they just followed it with their eyes, really stiff. My dog was just growling, 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 but we didn't hear it move. I didn't see a head. I didn't see, I just saw the bulk of the, of a body. Um, and the first instinct was it were a cow, um, which only saw after cows start up on the walls in that area. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was quite frightening at which point I went into total panic. I said, Jeff, did you see that? And, Oh my God, you know, what the hell was that? Um, the friend that was with me, she'd seen it. Sorry, in the background. Um, she'd seen it. The two behind us, um, he, he, he didn't let on, the mate kind of Um And I just went in a bit of a panic and I was insisting that we all stayed together and we got the dogs on the leads and then had another probably 15, 20 minutes maybe walk to get off the left. Yeah. If you was walking uh, down that path, could you just explain what the dogs were doing while you was walking along that path as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. It's darkness. Um, yeah. So while we were, we had the dogs on leads at this point, but all the way down for the for the rest of the trip back from the Great the Bend after Great Hill, right down to the bottom where the um, the car the cars are parked up. Um, they were constantly looking from like the left hand side to the right hand side of the path and then they looked look back from the right hand side to the left hand side as though they were watching something moving from one side to the other but we didn't see anything we didn't hear anything we didn't see anything but the dogs it was like they knew something was there and that was the, that was for the full duration of that um, that walk back down the main path I wanted to cut in at this point. I think the dog that's barking in the background is picking up on the lady's energy. I think she's reliving the experience and probably giving off signals um, with the body and that's what the little dog's picking up on and that's why it's barking. So for anybody out there who's wondering why I didn't edit that bit out, I think it's quite important because a dog and an owner have an incredibly special bond 
And I think, as I say, I think the dog is picking up on the lady's reaction, but we'll carry on with the interview now. It's Say they, they've got a, a good eyesight, so they would have been able to see something moving from left to right, uh, and that's what they were watching. Uh, so as you got further down, and you got not far from the car park, uh, tell us about what happened there uh, when you was near the ruin. Right, yeah, so um, just as the, the path starts to drop, it's, it's quite a steepish drop because you've been further flat from there just going towards where the um where the car department like a, a metal gate just to the left hand side i think it's called whittles i can't remember um it, it's an old ruined farmhouse one of the abandoned uh more farms um and i because obviously all the way down i've been set, trying to say to people you know stay together stay together stay together Felt like a freak because nobody seems to be telling. I was getting a bit pissed off because they're still dawdling and I'm wanting to, you know, get back to the car. And I kind of looked over my shoulder to say to the other two at the back, we hurry up. And as I did that, I was kind of looking in the direction and I just out the corner of my eye caught something moving. Um, and I couldn't tell you colour, I couldn't tell you if it had hair or fur or what have you because. It was a, a, a distance, um, I mean, I, I don't know how many feet it would, would you think it would maybe, I don't know, 50 to 100 feet away, because you, you saw where it was, yeah. you had a path. You're right, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not great with distances, um, obviously with the, the moon being out, and um, just saw something jumping, and it was kind of going in the left-hand um, direction, so it kind of jumped over the small, like, crumbled walls, and... I don't know whether the foundations of this building under it, there's a couple of trees in the middle of it. I just saw something leap over, at which point I have lost it. And, you know, effing and jessing and, Christ's sake, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And in the space it took me to do that, and probably walked five feet. I hear another growl, and it's, I don't know, um, would you say that, that little bit in the grass was maybe ten foot off the path, maybe? Because yeah, uh, yeah, you saw it just off the ledge. Yeah, just where it dipped down a little bit. So I didn't see anything. I hadn't heard anything running or, you know, moving. I've just seen the, 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 the outline of whatever it was jumping into the, um, the ruins. And then what seems like seconds later, there's a growl right off the path. Um, ten, ten foot, like I said, maybe. Um, probably better judge than me. Um, and I bolted. And, oh, that's the other thing as well. I did actually unhook my dog off his lead because I, I was just like, you know, let him go. And I, I ran and um, absolutely shredded my toes because I was in flip flops and there's a lot of loose stones up there. Um, I think if I could, I would have bolted that gate. I managed to get through the kissing gate, got in the Land Rover, had everybody in there within seconds, and locked all the doors and booted it. Um, yeah, so that's what happened. But yeah, I was very, very frightened. I probably can't even express how scared I was. Well, I can um, imagine, yeah. Panic. Clear panic. Uh, especially, you know, you see something like that, you know it's a full moon, you know, you, you felt that fear from first bumping into it to the bottom, and it, it is a long stretch of a path, that. 
that and yeah. say it's about from where you saw it down to the bottom about a mile and a quarter um, yeah two miles like that yeah 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 so you, you that fear is building up all the time while you're walking down there uh so you you got in your car you went and you when when you saw the other colleague who'd left you at the uh copy's gorge what did you say to them about your experience well to be honest i didn't tell her what had happened um i, I bumped into her in um in work it was you know three i think i'm sure it was a bank holiday on that monday i can't remember anyway i think it's probably mid- midweek towards the end of the following week um bumped into her and i was just saying you know did you did you get home all right without breaking any ankles or anything and um, having a bit of a laugh. And then I just said, you didn't hear it weird by any chance, did you? You know, anything a bit odd? And she's like, oh my God, it's really funny you say that because there was a lad in our group, because they, they'd all have a few babies. Um, one of the lads who was at the very back of their group because they'd gone down the gorge in a line rather than a group with the past quite treacherous in spots. Apparently, just after they'd separated and, and gone down onto that path, so... Um, I don't know, maybe a few minutes after we'd all said goodbye, I don't know. She said that he was telling people that there was, he thought someone was following them. Um, so they're all harsh, you know, they're all drunk and there's nobody following us. He's like, no, there's, there's somebody creeping through grass down here behind us and off to the side. Um, and I was like, oh, all right, oh, did he? Oh, that's a bit weird. Not telling her what had happened to us because I didn't want to think I was an idiot. But I found that quite interesting. So I had a few thoughts over the, you know, was it one that followed, you know, did it follow them down and realised there were too many of them and then came back up to us? Did it come up to us because we didn't have the dogs? You know, whatever it was. Um, you know, they just it. Yeah, the other one is that there could be more than one of them. Yeah, that's what David said, which isn't good. Yeah. That's, that's a nice thought, isn't it? <laughs> I know, yeah. So, um, you mentioned something about um, someone knowing that there were some dead sheep up there as well. Yeah, this was... Um, well, I think that occasionally there have been, you know, you'll find dead sheep, and whether they've been a natural death or, you know, you, you're getting stuck in bogs or get blown, get stuck on the backs and what have you. Um, but we were up there, um, me and my friends, about, I don't know, it's just, I think it was when it was about three weeks ago maybe, I think. Um, and we'd gone up on the Sunday morning for a little walk, but we'd stayed off that track we were on. We were more or less down where the ruins were that I just mentioned, walking along the plantation line. Um, and we found, well, she found, she was on a lower path than I was, but she found, um, you know, the remains of the sheep. Um, you know, but yeah, you, you, you tend to find them there and you do find the other side at Ratcliffe where the, the sheep are now, which you saw the other day on the opposite side of, of the main road going up to the moors. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we've seen quite a few over the years there, but, you know, I didn't think of it in these terms. You know, whenever I've seen dead sheep, it's just like, oh, maybe dogs died, maybe. I've, I've not really paid that much attention until I've, I've spoken to yourself, spoken to Deb, and started kind of thinking about things a little differently. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and the fellow with the uh, hunting rifle you were telling me about, could you tell us more about that? Yeah, well, that was um, that was just an offhanded remark that um, one of my old neighbours had said. Um, I used to see him up on the moors, and he was saying, "Oh, not you know, not seeing you up there for a long time." Well, I'm not telling people that I don't go walking up there unless I'm with at least one other person. So, um, and he was telling me that on two occasions he'd seen a guy up there with a hunting rifle in two different spots. Um, one was um, in they used to do um, organised grouse shoots up there. Um, so they looked a lot of like grouse and partridge and whatnot. They don't do them anymore, but there's the remains of an old hide. And he said the first time he saw the chap, he was in there. And he said it was a rifle, it wasn't a shotgun. Because um, I thought, you know, they're right. He went, no, no, I've only got this with a rifle. He was in there. He shouted over to him and said, oh, you know, what are you after? His dog's been wearing its shoes thinking that's why the guy was there, because it was out of um, shooting season for the birds. Um, and the guy just kind of given us a look. I didn't answer him and carried on looking back. Um, the way he was facing would be in the direction of White Coppice, even though he couldn't see it from where he was. It was kind of in that direction, the Winterhill White Coppice direction. Um, and then the next time he saw him, I don't know if that was a week or two later, that was further up, um, on the left hand side sitting up on the bank and again in his camouflage gear with the rifle and just kind of sitting in the gorse and didn't say anything to him but he, he's always been very careful to keep his dogs with him um, up there just in case this guy is after picking off dogs but you know it just seems to be the fact he had a rifle yeah. <laughs> just seems a little bit odd yeah yeah it's unusual a rifle rather than a shotgun yeah um, so uh how would you best describe how you felt or what you saw and what you think it, it could be? Um, at the time, um, I tried to, well, I, I, at the time, the initial thought was it was a, a dog, a loose dog. Um, even though it's good, I have had dogs all my life, I'm not frightened of dogs. My dad keeps Burbells, the big um, South African Mastiffs, so I'm not frightened of dogs. Um, and it scared me, um, but I tried to rationalise it and over the years I thought it must have just been a dog, must have just been a dog, no idea what it was that we saw, but you know, maybe it was a cow, and that it's got out, and that's never really sat, although that's what I've told myself, it's never really sat well with me because of the fear that I've got of going back up on the moors, it's like a real primal fear with me now. Um, and I know when you said to me the other day, you know, what's the very first thing that was coming to your head if, you know, about what you saw? And since I've heard other people's stories about what's up there, the very first thing I thought was American werewolf in London, as daft as it sounds, but that's the, you know, the, the, the bit of that being on the moors and being stalked. And I thought, oh my God, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's so similar. Um, yeah, so that, that's the first thing that, that I, would, I would say now, whether that's true or not. Because I didn't see whatever it was, it was just very large, and it moved very quickly, and obviously it growled, but, um, yeah. Yeah, you, did you mention the same size as a cow, so you're talking about four foot, something like that? Yeah, so, something like that. Um, I mean, I'm five foot two, 
So I would say, um, yeah, just, just trying to think about it now. Yeah, yeah, I, I probably, yeah, for, for, for the fish. Um, but as I said, when I saw it, it wasn't on the same path as us. It was slightly down on the, you know, on the moors. Um, and we saw it, well, me and my friend saw it the first time. Um, and I only saw the bulk of the body. And the only other thing that I could have ever said that it might have been, um, if it was somebody somewhere else, would be um, like a red deer stag, a big red deer stag, you know, with 10, 12 points but we don't have red deer. No, we've got little road deer that, you know, they don't get to that kind of size. It wasn't a horse, I keep horses, so, you know, I know it wasn't a horse, and yeah. So, it's a mystery, I would just not like to see it again. Yeah, and it stopped you from ever going up there again? Yeah, I won't, I won't go on my own. I mean, I used to go up on my own all the time. I had, you know, I'd take my two dogs up there and I'd go, every, I used to run along there, you know, in the morning before work. So, won't do that. I'll go with somebody else. I will not go if it's dark or, you know, first light. It's got to be broad daylight, middle of the day, and with somebody else. I mean, you saw when I met you, I wouldn't get, even though it was, what, coming on for lunchtime, until somebody's with me, I wouldn't even get out of my car. I, that's the kind of thing I've got up there now because I don't know what it was. Yeah, because when you were waiting for me, you you was in the car and you know, and I saw you. Do, I could see the dog getting agitated, wanting to get out, but you yeah. waited for us to turn up. Yeah, no, I, he he was he was desperate to get out and have a run round, but no, no, safety numbers. I was contacted on the 16th of Feb this month, uh, 2021, by a gentleman who'd watched one of my recent videos about the cases that we're investigating in Winter Hill. And he too reported a strange experience. He said he was at the bottom of Winter Hill. He was out walking with his dog. And as they were walking, they heard a noise that came from a field to his left. Um, He said he thought it was about four feet above the ground in the fields. And then we have another report that happened in October of 2020 where two men were stopped back to their car by a red-eyed creature. They could just make out in the darkness. That was in a very similar area to the report that you've heard earlier. And then we have another one. We have um, Its title is A Story I Will Never Forget. And it's a person who got in touch with Mick and said, my parents own a business in Bolton. And it was during the 90s that my parents had a Saturday lad who worked until tea time. One Saturday after his shift, about 5.30, he met his mates um, and they had the camping gate and they went off up to Rivington to camp near the garden area. On the Monday morning, when he visited the shop, the parents asked him how he got on. And he said that all five of them had been scared off the hill by something that was growling at them in the middle of the night. So they packed up their tent and they went home. I would have to say that I think there are a number of things that are going on up Winter Hill. And it is all just theory. Some of the kills that we find up there are very cat-like. We have um, witnesses who see a long tail and yellow eyes. And I think that that is the panther reports that come in. Between Horwich and Poulton, where I live, there are 22 reports of a large black cat. 
There are other people in the area that have reported almost a mountain lion coloured cat. But I think there are other things as well. I know when I went, the, the energy of the area almost knocked me over. Um, it was incredibly strong. And people are reporting a red-eyed beast. And that's between Hindley in Wigan. And that passes. Winter Hill and Great Hill are on the route. But it passes and carries on. And reports carry on up in that area. And I don't know what that is. I think when the lady with the flip-flops was up on top of the hill... I think there was more than one thing because two groups were basically escorted down the hill, I think, by two separate things, but I don't know what those things are. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. And I'll be back on Tuesday with the live feed. And, of course, I will be back on Saturday with another um, upload of some interesting encounters for you. So thank you very much for joining me. Good night, everyone.
the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.